This is the Family Friendly Workplace Podcast, produced by Women's Agenda. Just after Equal Pay Day this year, Lion, an FMCG brand with hundreds of employees, made the significant announcement that all new parents will receive paid parental leave and that primary and secondary carer labels would disappear in the process. As we've previously discussed on this podcast, removing these labels is significant. They're labels that have been identified as a major driver of inequality in workplaces and at home. Labels that can cement gender stereotypes from the moment a parent becomes a parent. Lion is also pursuing a number of other initiatives, superannuation, paid on top of both paid and unpaid leave, flexible work, miscarriage leave, uncapped domestic violence leave, as well as COVID-specific policies, including vaccination leave and a program known as Fuel Better Days, aiming to support the wellbeing and flexibility for carers who need it. Today, I'm speaking with Stuart Irvine, the CEO of Lion. In his eight years in the role, he's been credited with closing the company's gender pay gap and driving gender equality by establishing ambitious goals and putting in concrete actions to achieve them. He's leaving the post shortly, but in the meantime, he took the time to speak with us for this podcast. This is a Family Friendly Workplaces podcast. My name is Angela Priestley. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for joining me, Stuart. You're joining me from, I believe, your home somewhere in Sydney, where I'm probably guessing that you've been working for some time now in in lockdown here. (laughs) Yeah. Counting the weeks. Yep. (laughs) Counting the weeks. I've lost count of the weeks. But Mm. so what do you have in your bubble there or how is it working for you at the moment? Well, my wife, Tammy, and I are together and with two of our three children, Esme, who's doing her year 12 exams in lockdown, which is going very well apart from the odd emotional moment, and Henry, who's a student at UTS doing architecture. So those two are working from home as well, and we're all sort of mixing in together. And we have another son who's in Melbourne and is part of the world's most lockdown population. And And we catch up with him on regular intervals, like all of us, on the computer. Yeah. So we often talk about parents with young kids and and Mm. some of the difficulties and challenges that they face there. But you've got that unique challenge of having a child doing those final exams and and managing and navigating everything around that. How is that experience sort of playing into your thoughts for other staff as well who might be in similar situations or what kind of flexibility and things do you need in that sort of situation? Yes. Well, in, in order to have older children, you have to have had younger children, you know, so I have a great feeling of empathy for them. You know, we had, you know, three kids under the age of six at one stage, you know, a couple of boys and a girl. And when we look at the responses we get to our regular staff surveys, we know 45% of the respondents have child caring responsibility. So that's a significant proportion of our people. And 21%, nearly half of those people saying they actually needed real help and support. So you kind of know on a quantitative macro basis that, that it's an issue. But then on my team, you know, which we have a number of carers on the team, some single parents with young kids, some people with younger kids, some people with older kids. And, you know, as I interact personally with my team, that you can see those challenges playing out day to day. You know, we've changed the times that we start meetings, days, we've changed the times that we end days, and we've worked the team around what those responsibilities are just for our personal team. But, you know, 
we want to take a lot of care of the whole organisation. So we've given two fuel better days so that for the organisation, we've done a lot of work with the Positivity Institute, Gotcha for Life, you know, providing help and advice to people for their own well-being. We also knew that there were significant financial challenges that some people were facing, actually, in this circumstance. So we've taken the unprecedented step of giving a half-year bonus payout to people so that it just helps some of these people through some of these tougher times that they're having. You know, we've given people two days vaccination leave. You know, we've helped them set up their their home offices. Uh, I mean, we always had a flexible working program at Lion. So we were always you know, more in the two to three day space in the office and a couple of other days. And we work around that with people. So we've tried to carry that same kind of thinking on to how do we manage our work, our people during these difficult COVID circumstances that we're all having to keep people happy and engaged and care for them as best we can. Yeah. So I want to ask a little bit more about some of those things in just a moment, but in in just kind of doing a little bit of background research on you, like I understand you're soon leaving the role, first of all, but what you've been credited with is very impressive, particularly relevant to this conversation is around closing the company's gender pay gap and driving gender equality, establishing key goals that put in concrete actions to achieve them. You've, you've been in that role for, I think, believe just over eight years now. And in Googling your name here, I see that you were featured in the AFR back in 2016 as part of their part-time Power Dads feature. Um, You know, 2016, it was actually quite a different time, obviously, to where we are now. Can I ask a little bit about your career and leadership, how you've made it work around family, I guess, particularly around some of those, those younger years? What has flexibility looked like for you? Yeah, so we're now reaching back into the depths of time. Right? Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I think I've had some very positive uh, experiences and also some negative some negative ones, right? So our first child was born in 97. And what we experienced, I think, prior to that was a number of miscarriages. And I've got to say, back in those times, companies just weren't quite as understanding right? So we give three days leave for people who have miscarriages and stillbirths, but that wasn't a thing back then, you know? So when my wife, Tammy, had to go to hospital, company said, well, that's just what happens. You have to carry on working, Mm. Mm. you know? And at that moment, to be honest with you, there was a a significant break in trust with the people that I believed I worked for because we all trusted each other. And I was very surprised at that point. That's more of a negative experience, if you like, but it just gave me this insight into the bond of trust that you have to have if you really want to have the engagement of your people. And secondly, later on with other companies, you know, there was that moment in time where I could spend more time with the children than others. I was had a bit more flexibility and I've always believed in that and I've tried to organise my time around that. It wasn't really official, but it would come home early to see the kids and then do some more work later. And that kind of worked. Um, so that's a, that was a positive experience. But if you think in the broader context as well, you know, my wife was the CFO of a cosmetics company. And back when we had uh, Joseph, our, our first, we kind of had to, you know, make that primary secondary care a choice, right? Because that's just the way things were back then. 
so we have had more of a traditional partnership. I mean, she's been a great partner for me and she still is. You know, there's like we work together as a team, but there is that moment where there is a choice point or there was a choice point for people about how they did things, how they organised their life. Probably, I would say now, in a more in a more traditional way. Yeah, and I think that really brings us to this recent announcement that Lion made a few weeks ago, which is where you've removed that primary and secondary mm-hmm. label. So hopefully doing something there to potentially remove that that need to have to make that choice. But I'll leave that with you to explain what was behind that and making sure that all new parents receive paid parental leave. Well, I think it really was about the equality of it all. First of all, to make sure that there was no gender assignation to primary and secondary carers. And I know there isn't in the words necessarily, but it doesn't quite work that way, does it? So with a shared care model, no assumptions are being made at all about who's doing what and an unequal burden of care. And that allows either parent to spend as much time as they would like to with the child. So there's 12 weeks of paid parental leave for, for each of those carers, and they can take that in that any time in that two-year period so that they may do it both at the same time they may stagger it it may be a bit later on or a bit earlier on you know one partner may be returning to work and the other one then later on decides to take the parental leave so we think that's a much fairer uh, way of doing things and a lot of what i talked about today will be about fairness uh, and equity And it just does come back to gender pay equity, which you mentioned earlier on that we were fixing up back in 16 and 17. And as we've been on that journey of making sure that we get a gender balanced and diverse workforce, that we make sure that those people who were probably traditionally in the primary carer roles aren't designated as such, because otherwise they do, you know, suffer in terms of their career potentially and also in their superannuation. And we've wanted to fix up the superannuation as well and give people 18 weeks superannuation. Because what you notice is that does give you outcomes in your team in terms of gender balance, pay balance, and superannuation outcomes. So it was really important to, coming from that equity point of view, uh, to enable us uh, to do that. And of course, our family at Lion Policy, which you call it, it encompasses all types of families, right? So it could be a blended family, adoptive family, foster parents, heterosexual, rainbow, you know, so we're not being exclusive, we're being inclusive in the kind of definition of the family that we have here. And we think that leads to a much healthier, better workplace in terms of diversity and inclusion and people Mm. to feel better about themselves. Mm. So can I ask you then about the gender pay gap there? Um, you mentioned 2017 or so as a bit of a date then. So obviously to fix the gender pay gap, you have to find that you have a gender pay gap as well. What was the process? Did you run through an audit and were you surprised by the results? And then what happened from there? Yeah. Um, well, I think back then there was a commentary we started was talking about this and we'd always prided ourselves on being a very fair and equitable business founded in sociability and equality between people. So I was pretty much of the firm view that, of course, there wasn't going to be such an issue. But I thought, we better check this. So we went off and we checked it. And it took a little bit of a while to go match the roles for roles and check it all. And the results came back and they said, oh, we've got a 3.2% pay gap. I said, really? They said, well, I don't think the data's right. So I didn't say that. So let's go and check again. 
So we checked again. It was 3.2. And then we went, we said, okay, we've got a problem here. And later on, I discovered that perhaps organizations that believe themselves to be fair and equitable are more at risk of this, actually, than organizations that are not. So once we discovered we had that pay gap, we just wanted to fix it straight away. Mm. So we went to the board, and the board was super supportive, and we fixed it up straight away, and that cost us around $6 bucks. But we check every six months to make sure that we stay, you know, plus or minus half a percent from that that equity, that equity level. So we've continued to do that. Now that was the first step also on our gender and our gender equity. We originally set a 50-50 target, but now we've moved on to set a target which we call like 40-40-20 in teams. So the big teams gotta have 40% one, 40% another, and 20% of either, if you like, of, of gender. So you've got diverse teams. Because the magic doesn't happen of diversity of thought and experience if you've got half of your organization who are female working in one part or half a male are working another or mm. Mm. doesn't include all kinds of other diversity. It has to happen in the team. So we've advanced that. Now, as we've progressed down this um, getting a balanced organization path and being really inclusive, you find that there's a big system at play here, societal systems, not just lion. Mm. And societal systems are the way that jobs are advertised, the way that you know people talk about money in job overts, which we, we took away, the way that parental leave, for example, as we've just talked about, is organized. There are lots and lots of parts of a total system mm. which aren't helping us to create a just and fair and equal workplace. Mm. And we're still on that journey. Uh, there's no one here saying, you know, oh, that's it, it's all fixed, you know, because we're, we're still developing and still changing, as I've talked about in the targets and these policies. And no doubt there'll be other things as we discover as we go on the journey. Mm. Um, but that's where, you know, this, this realisation of you think you're fair and equitable, but actually when you go and check, you realise that you're not. And then you, you take that mindset to lots of other things that you do and those micro moments in language or even the pictures you have on the wall, the way you set your offices up, are all micro moments. And as you dig and you understand that you've got this dinosaur-like bias or something going on in your head or going on in the organization's belief that they have to be fair because aren't we always fair? But actually, when you really step back a long way from that, you realize there is a big system at play which isn't allowing that fairness that we all want to have. Mm, okay. So fixing that gender pay gap, I have to ask, you mentioned a figure around $6 million, which could have been a challenge getting that across the board. Now, I'm not saying you probably don't have clear numbers on this, but I mean, would you say that the organisation has gotten that $6 bucks back just in terms of other mm. benefits that would have been brought in, maybe in staff retention or something else? first thing I'll say is that wasn't all women. <laughs> there, was, there was some men as well, so it was men and women. The majority was, was women. The second part is, yes, it has got that benefit back. Why? Uh, because if you look at our engagement scores, which are typically well above, above 80, uh, and some of our really high-performing leaders are women who are now in full confidence know that they're working for a just and fair organisation, and we attract talent differently. And if you attract better people, you're going to have a better business, right? So if we, got, we kind of move away from a values kind of orientation, which we think what's fair and right, 
And then secondly, what's good for business? I think that this does both things. It's fair and it's right and it's good for business. Mm. Because what you know, and I go back to my story uh, I told you earlier on, is if you believe in people and you trust people and they know that they're valued and trusted and paid fairly and equitably, they want to work for you, they want to work for the organization and want to work for each other. And that is the magic of not just having a, I have to work here and I need to work here, but I just come up and and just show up and then go home again. It's about that discretionary thought, that extra magic that comes when people are so passionate about what they do. And that's what you're trying to get into the organization. And if you have an organization that people know they're not paid as well as the next person or they don't believe their leaders have their care at heart, and this comes back to our conversation on flexibility, then all of those impinge on the trust in the organization. Mm. And that trust between all of us is critical in navigating times like we're living in right now. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I think the story that you shared um, regarding what you and your wife experienced and how it really broke that trust, I think that is, it's really telling. And, And you could see how similar experiences might be playing out in different ways during this pandemic period where people just feel that they haven't had the support that they may have thought they may have had from their employer for whatever reason. And therefore the trust is broken. And and you, you can't really get that back. Even if that staff member is staying with you, they may not be as engaged as they once were and they may have one foot out the door as they look to the job market beyond this period. I guess just to finish off, it would be good to hear if you have, and you've provided so many <laughs> tips in this actual conversation, but I'd be keen to hear if there's anything else that you would like to add around this regarding the advice that you might have for similar sized organisations on, on how to start, particularly in being family friendly. First of all, take a step back and have a think about what's fair and right for people. And that isn't done in the sense, I do have a great personal value about doing what's fair and right as to my other fellow humans, right? Mm. But it's also about your business being successful. You will attract more talent. The talent that works for you is going to give you the discretionary effort of somebody who passionately believes in the cause. Mm. And you'll retain more talent. And it's becoming increasingly important to the new job entrance of the market. These are the questions that were asked. I mean, back in the mid-1980s, when I joined my first company, I didn't have a question about the parental leave policy. Mm. Mm. But today, that's a question that comes up over and over again from people who are joining businesses. Maybe I should have done, by the way, but it was a different, it was a different era. And so I think there's a fairness and rightness from a values perspective. And I would encourage you to step back and have a look at those things that you think you can't do because you will definitely Mm. get the value back. And I think if you don't do them, you're just not going to be attractive to talent. And eventually you're going to find that you just haven't got the best people in the marketplace. And if you haven't got the best people, you're not going to be successful. I'd also say to people, I'm not preaching to you and saying that everything in line you know, is exactly the way we'd want. Because as I said, this is a journey for all of us and we've discovered more and more as we've gone along. And my piece of advice to leaders who are thinking about this is to get out of your, if you can, in this virtual world, you know, get out of your office, go and talk and sit down with people and have real genuine conversations about how they're feeling and what genuinely is happening in their lives 
And that takes time to get into that really safe space where you have that. And you'll find there are lots of things there that you could make a difference on. So I really encourage people to have that kind of sharing together in one-on-one or in small groups to just understand what's going on for people and think about yourself as a human. Is that fair and right to those for those people? And if you fix that up, how would those people feel about putting that extra effort in for you? And I think you'll be very pleased with the answer that you can do both things at once. And it's a kind of a win-win. Thank you so much for your time, Stuart. What happens next for you? Do you have concrete plans? Are you ready for your next move? What can you share? <laughs> I have, uh, no, I'm you know, still very much here at Lion for the meantime. And uh, I'm thinking about plans for the future, but I've got no concrete plans. So I'm going to take a little bit of time to think about that. But this, this space of inclusion and equality, I find super interesting. Mm. along with the work I'm doing on climate change. And so both mm-hmm. of those areas are something, whatever I do next, I'm going to continue my um, passion for because I believe business can be a real force for good. And mm. by helping in just in the little world that we live in, all us little bees in our little hive, if we can make a little difference in the world that we're in, we can start to make a difference to other places. And you know, just bit by bit, business can actually help the world be a better place. Mm, absolutely well thank you so much Stuart no it's a pleasure talking to you the family friendly workplaces podcast is an initiative supporting the new national work and family standards for workplaces which informs employers of the minimum and best practice policies they can invest in to create a great family friendly workplace culture you can learn more at familyfriendlyworkplaces.com